Hey there, welcome to Beyond the Bikini podcast, where you can enhance your body and your mind. My name is Nicole Ferrier, exercise science grad, certified personal trainer, bikini competitor, and coach. On this podcast, you will learn more about my experience in the fitness industry, competing in bikini competitions, mental health, and how to gain more success in your own life in your fitness journey. So sit back, relax, or power through this cardio session and enjoy. Welcome back, guys, to another episode of Beyond the Bikini Radio. So today is going to be a repost podcast from the Key Nutrition Podcast. And if you guys have not listened to Key Nutrition, there's so many great podcast episodes on here. My friend Brad Jensen and or you might know him as the Sober Bodybuilder on Instagram This is his podcast, and he does a fantastic job interviewing a variety of people, talking about lots of topics in regards to fitness and nutrition and lifestyle, but I hope you guys enjoyed this one, and if you did, don't forget to share it on your Instagram, and you can tag me at Nicole Fairy Fitness, or also at The Sober Bodybuilder. Welcome to the Key Nutrition Podcast, your one stop for everything food, fitness, and mindset. On today's episode, we had Nicole Farrier on the show, um, on Instagram and Nicole Farrier Fitness, been following Nicole for a while, was uh, blessed to connect with her. We What we talked about was everything from recovering from an eating disorder, kind of emotional eating issues, to, you know, being an athlete, to getting into coaching early, to, you know, transitioning, um, you know, into competing and kind of like what she learned from that. And she got dialed in, guys. She was shredded. So, um And then, you know, really a great discussion on what happens when females lose their period and like why they lose their period, how to get that back. What does birth control actually do to a female? Like what are the pros and cons of that? What is she seeing helping people transition off of birth control as well as we talked a lot about just some, some of this like stuff that goes around these MLMs and beach body and stuff, they mean well, but She's ending up with clients that have been on super calorie restricted diets and and kind of what to do to get that back to normal. So anyways, it was a great conversation, uh, went a lot of different avenues that I really enjoyed. I think you guys are going to get a lot of value of this episode, male, female, it doesn't matter. I think you're going to really enjoy the show. So um, you guys, thanks for all the love and support. And uh, if you like this episode, give Nicole a shout. She's great at responding on Instagram and uh, let her know you like the episode. So we'll talk to you next week. This is Brad Jensen. And you listen to the Key Nutrition Podcast. All right, we got Nicole Ferrier on the show today. Nicole, thanks for coming on. Yes, thank you for having me. Yeah, um, I'm excited. I've followed your content for a while, and so it's been... uh, Good to uh, good to connect finally. Yes, for sure. And I know that you are you're in Utah, right? Correct. All right. So it's probably pretty chilly there still too. No, it's actually <laughs> really nice. It's like eighty degrees. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. See, I'm from Ohio, but I live in Florida now. Um, so I'm still like catching up with like everyone, but I know back there it's still snowing. Oh, you're from Ohio originally. Mm-hmm. I moved to Florida. Um, about a year ago. So all on my own. So all my family is still up North. Wow. What brought, what took you to Florida? I needed a change in scenery. So up in Ohio, I felt like fitness wasn't super big. Now it is big in Columbus because I did live in Columbus for a year. Um, was in a relationship, moved more up North and it just didn't work out. And I decided, all right, um, this is probably going to be the only time in my life where I'm single. I'm not married. I don't have kids. I don't have any sort of thing that I can lose. I was already self-employed and had my business online. And I'm like, look, I'm scared, but we're just going to do it. We're going to move. Um, mostly for the weather, like up there, we have, we're known for like gray skies. So like it was really affecting like my mental health, just being stuck indoors all the time. Um, and ever since I've moved here, even like all of my followers have said, you look so much happier. So it's probably the best thing I ever did. Good for you. Yeah. Columbus is, um, so Utah, surprisingly, I mean, we have, we, we have cold winters obviously. And, but then we have really hot summers and it starts getting pretty warm. Like we get up to hundred degrees in July. 
Um, oh, wow. And then we have a good fall. We have like four good seasons. And I always bitch about living in Utah, but I went to Cleveland for to watch LeBron play a couple, three years, two years, three years ago. And I went uh-huh. in like February, and those snowstorms there are no joke. Like, Horrible. it was like spinning in my face. I'm, this mm-hmm. is awful. Like, he, mm-hmm. snow here just like falls. <laughs> it's, you got that lake effect. Yeah, it's cold. <laughs> um, well, awesome. I'm, uh, I'm excited to get a little more out of your story, and then uh, I got some things I want to talk about. But, you know, for the listeners who maybe don't know you, kind of give a, you know, a 10 minute background of kind of who you are and how you got into uh, this industry and where you're at today. Yeah. So, well, my name's Nicole Ferrier. Um, for like credentials, I have a bachelor's degree in exercise science, um, certified personal trainer, and I am 24 years old. Um, You're only 24? Yeah. I mean, I don't, right on. I mean, I don't know if that's good to, that I thought you were older, right? Everyone thinks I'm older. I'm always told that I'm older than what I seem. Um, I've even had a lot of clients when they've hired me, they're like, you're only 24. I'm like, yes, I'm only 24, but I swear to you, I act like I'm in my thirties. That's <laughs> it's a good thing though. Yeah. I matured at a very young age because I started creating content at 14. So I started a YouTube channel when I was 14, um, started making online content for Instagram at 19, started being really consistent in like 2015 with just informative type stuff. Um, I always loved helping people because when I did my YouTube channel, I was more so like makeup tutorials. Like um, I did a lot of gymnastics tutorials because I coached gymnastics for years. Um, And that was like the first sport that I really fell in love with. But Unfortunately, with gymnastics, our careers careers are pretty short due to um, just the demandingness of the sport. So around age 20, um, I couldn't really do gymnastics anymore. It was really painful. It was hard on my body. And that's when I saw my first ever like bikini competition. And I'm like, oh, I kind of want to do that. So I made a big shift in what made me passionate about fitness um, from being like an athlete to wanting to um, compete. And it also made me change my undergrad because I was originally going for physical therapy. And I'm like, this is really boring. I remember going like for my hours and just, I hated it. I was forcing myself to do it. And I'm like, I'm changing it to exercise science. Was told I would never make money. Um, Didn't listen to anyone anyway. So I started building my online business in undergrad. Build a couple clients here and there. Worked with a couple girls um, on campus, and was like, "Oh, like people are getting results. Like, not only can I just coach like the sport of gymnastics, but I can coach this, and I'm really enjoying it." And it took a while for me to build my business, but you know, I've been full time for two years now. Um, graduated in 2017, and here we are. So I don't know. A lot has happened in my life in a very short period of time. But basically, I'm an online fitness coach. I'm the owner of Nicole Fair Fitness, and um, I help women build up their bodies and build their relationship with food. So you mainly work with women or strictly? Mostly. Yep. I would say my clientele is like 90-10. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah it's and it's just more so of like, what was my specialty? Like, what was my niche? And that's what I fell into. Um, it's not like I didn't enjoy coaching men because I've coached men when I did in-person training, but I found that a lot of my women resonated with me because throughout my years, and I know that this is like a big thing is I struggled with an eating disorder and I've struggled with a multitude of eating disorders from anorexia to overexercising to bulimia to um, like orthorexia, like literally everything under the sun. And I think because I've overcome every single one of those things, it touched so many of those people and they're like, Oh, she gets me. She understands that she understands that. Um, and I think a lot of my clients understand that I, I'm not judging them Yeah. either. Yeah, no, I think, uh, I think you end up kind of organically attracting like what, what you know, like what you do. Right. It, it's interesting. So back when I used to compete, I had all these competitors I was prepping. And now that I am like, I'm, I'm a, no, I would, I would be very surprised if I ever competed again. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say never, but I, I really doubt I will ever do that again. And now I have zero competitors because it's just like not what I'm into. But I, I also, I think that like probably 70% of my clients, 65% is female. 
which mm-hmm. I don't know if that maybe I was just like a female in a past life. So I track that energy or if more females are like more diet prone or like want to lose fat yeah. or feel, you know, I think it's conditioned at a young age that you should watch your weight. And mm-hmm. I know for me, like watching my mom diet made me feel like I needed to diet And that's kind of where my eating disorder started from was it wasn't like I, nobody ever goes into an addiction thinking I want an addiction. Like nobody does that. But when I saw my mom diet, I thought I could diet, but then I got addicted to that dopamine hit that I'd get from losing weight. And that turned into, um, okay, well, how can we like accelerate this, which turned into me, you know, over-exercising, doing like two hours of cardio a day and four hour long gymnastics practices and um, eating probably sub 800 calories. And I remember losing um, like 10 pounds in a month and my uh, pediatrician, because I had to go in for like a sports physical, was like, there's something wrong. Like, why is she losing that much weight in a short period of time? And I had manipulated everyone around me. I was like, everything's fine. Like, I just decided to become a vegetarian, which I didn't decide that my disorder did. Um, and I, I was a great liar. And it's not like I'm, I'm your, proud your, of that, but your disorder I think, did. Yeah, it's exactly. What it do you mean by that? That was interesting. Thing. What? What do you mean by that? That was interesting. So when someone struggles with like an eating disorder, it's almost like, and I I use this analogy for people who don't necessarily know what it's like to struggle with that. It's like an angel and a devil on your shoulder. Like, you know that what you're doing is wrong, but that negative voice is sitting on your shoulder, beating you down, telling you you need to do it. Like you aren't valuable if you're not this certain size or you didn't lose weight, like you're a failure. And I didn't, I wasn't able to recognize between the two, but I also knew subconsciously everything I was doing was wrong. I knew that it wasn't healthy, but I also didn't care because I was selfish. So your eating disorder pretty much said, Hey, go vegetarian. That'll be kind of an excuse to hide this or. Yep. And it was like little things like that, that you could like manipulate yourself into like I'll be a vegetarian because you know I just don't want to eat meat but in reality it's because I wanted to eliminate as many food possibilities Uh, as possible makes total sense it's so crazy how close the parallels are to drug addiction even like Mm -hmm. my addiction made a lot of choices for me and decisions and you know even just like missing social events like I miss social events because food would be presented in front of me I would not go out to a restaurant because food would be presented in front of me. And what would I say? I have to study. I have to work. I have to do this. And it was just a cover up because I didn't want to be in a situation that I couldn't run away from. That makes sense. hundred percent makes sense. Yeah. So how did you end up kind of getting through all that? And it's crazy how much I appreciate women like you who share their story because I think that eating disorder, it was the po- question was posed to me, actually, that got me thinking, One of my followers who I don't know asked me, hey, what percentage of your clientele is female? I'm actually doing a research study for for college. And I said, Mm -hmm. "Uh, 65, 70% probably. And he said, why? Because you're not a female. You're a big tattooed guy. What do you think the reasons are? And I I had to think, but I thought, you know, I think that women have a lot more pressure to be thin, skinny, this, that. I still think mainstream media makes you feel that way. I think Mm -hmm. that mothers, especially like, 10, 20, 30 years ago, were dieting so much that, and they still are today, but eating disorders, I think to, to some degree, varying degrees run pretty deep in so many females I'm finding. And I think that some of them are scared to talk about it. Yeah. So, you know, where your eating disorder stems from is usually, and this is like anything in therapy is like something traumatic in your life. Um, and so, I feel like my eating disorder came from a place of trying to be perfect because my, um, my, my family dynamic was a little bit stressful and I felt the need to get really good grades and to be a great athlete and to look perfect. And the other thing too, was I would let little comments really destroy me. Um, my family isn't, genetically blessed. Um, a lot of them are very overweight. A lot of them, um, struggle with weight related issues. So my, um, dad would make comments on like, Oh, you're eating too late, or you're going to end up getting really overweight if you eat this much or eat that much. And 
I think those comments just really manifested into this huge fear of ever gaining weight. And it took time for me to realize that food isn't anything to be fearful of. But this one scenario, like there's, and there's a few that really stick out, but one was a gymnastics coach of mine saying, you'd be so much stronger if you would just, you know, eat a little bit more. Um, and she said the quote, eat a burger, which I hate that. I hate that quote so much, but she was right. I mean, I, I could have been a better athlete if I would eat more. And I think that she could tell I was very thin. Um, and I, I remember it was like my junior year of high school thinking, okay, well, like you're about to be a senior. You're not going to be able to really compete after this. Like what would happen if we just, you know, dropped a little bit of these restrictions and eat a bit more. And that year was a pivotal year for me as an athlete, um, made huge improvements, got a ton more skills. And I even like, it helped having the encouragement from coaches saying you're performing while well, you're doing great. Like, and I think that really helped keep me strong during that period. But the other thing too, is my anorexia, I would say, kind of stopped in high school, but then it transitioned into bulimia. Um, and again, disorders tend to flare up during life changes. So when I went to college, I think that was like a trigger for me. But I mean, the biggest thing that helped me recover was just the reality that I could literally die, you know? And I know a lot of people don't like talking about their disorder, but like I said, I'm an open book because that can save a life. And seeing people look at me, knowing something was wrong, um, knowing that I wasn't my healthiest and I felt like a liar. And I also just didn't want to die. So I think that was the biggest thing. And I tell a lot of my clients this who are struggling with their relationship with food and maybe they do have kids and or maybe they don't, I don't have kids, but I think about if I were to have a daughter and she were to see me in the bathroom doing this to myself, would I be proud of the situation? No. And I figured, you know, I might as well get better now before it progresses. Good for you. Did you notice any kind of like metabolic, uh, you know, adaptate? Did you have any kind of like any big swings in weight after you started eating again and not? So I also got into competing. Um, oh. <laughs> so, and I feel like those first two years were coming out of the, a bad place because I was still struggling with my mindset with food. So I've seen myself in a variety of different bodies. And even to this day, I'm still learning to accept my body as it is. And I know I'm at a healthy weight. Like I know I'm, I'm nowhere, you know, unhealthy for me, but because I've kept myself so small throughout my teenage and even young adult life, I don't know what healthy looks like on me, you know, and with competing, I'm thankful that I have awareness and the education that I have. And also a lot of people around me who support me to help understand, like, it's okay with all these body image things going on uh, and that we'll get better. And I think connecting with a couple of people, like, cause I'm taking a year and a year and a half off from competing. Cause I competed in 2015, 16, 17, 18, and 19, but 2019, that's when we had the metabolic response that's when my body's like, we can't do this. And it was fascinating because I'm a soldier, I'll work hard. And I was doing two hours of cardio a day, walking like 20,000 steps a day, eating very low calorie, no response, no response. And I was like, okay, this is a red flag and we need to listen to your body. Yeah. Kind of there. No. Well, I just looked at the, uh, the picture of you actually just posted yesterday when you listen to this episode, it won't be yesterday, but no, it'll probably be 14 days ago or whatever, but, um, it's a picture of you competing. And by the way, you were shredded. Good job. I was so lean. Good My job. feedback was you're too lean. Yeah. That's the worst feedback. Like go screw yourself. That's what I hate about competing. It's so subjective. It's like, so am I not supposed to be that lean? <laughs> yeah, like I was four, four places away from my pro card of that physique. Wow. I'm not surprised. You said a lot of bad day, a lot of body image, uh, a lot of bad, bad. body image days. Mm -hmm. and you said, and then you have a picture of you now, which you look incredible. And you said bad body image days sometimes, but 25 pounds more. Mm -hmm. 
That's and I powerful. think it's just the number that scares me because, you know, people don't realize how small you have to get to compete. And when you say you gain 15, 20, 25, 30, 35 pounds, that, I mean, that's a lot of weight. And I think people also don't realize how extreme it is. And when I was that lean, there was definitely days I would like pinch my lower stomach and it was probably, you know, paper thin. And I'm like, Oh, we could lose a bit more here. or 100%. We could lose a bit more here. And I even look at like a vacation that I went to post-competition. It was like two months post-competition. And I had a weird metabolic response where my body wasn't gaining weight post-show despite adding in food. I didn't last, you know, more than three months, but I was still like, and is it okay if I throw out like stats? Oh yeah. Okay. I was five, six and 115 pounds. Wow. Um, and I felt like I could still be leaner. <laughs> yeah. And it's insane because I look back at that and it's like, I don't even, I didn't even realize I was that small. And even where I'm at now, like you never notice how small you are until you get to the other side. 100%. But the other good thing about that is you also don't realize how bad you felt. Right. Yeah, let me ask you this. Do you think that anybody, because I've been debating this in my head, do you think that anybody, like I can fully understand when they get to that plate, because I know I, I've had moments, but for the most part, like when I'm on a cut or especially when I did a show, I look uh -huh. back at pictures. I'm like, I would kill to look like that. And I remember criticizing every little thing, but it's a whole different game. But do you think that, I mean, I just wonder if like anyone can truly relish like just like, wow. I look so good. Like, this is amazing. Mm -hmm. I want to stay here because it seems like anytime, even with my clients, they get to their goal and they're like, this is good. I'm like, you look amazing. No, I want to go a little lower. Like it's, it's almost just like, it's kind of never satisfied. Yeah. And you got to just like do like a goal shift there then. And that's what I'm trying to teach a lot of my clients who want to just diet. It's like, no, you need to shift your goal. It's like, let's shift it to other areas of your life that you can focus on enjoying. And I know for me, like in this season of my life, like being in an off season, I'm, I mean, it's my birthday next week. And I was just thinking like, oh, this will be the first birthday I've had where I'm not dieting. That's insane. Wow. You know? Like, and I can't remember because I had such a bad relationship with food at 14 and that carried on for years. And now I'm at a place where my relationship with food is really good. I'm like, wow, I'm not going to be dieting on my birthday. How weird is that? So learning how to enjoy the benefits of gaining weight, you know, instead of just resenting it has been like an eye opener for me. Yeah, that is, that is interesting. So are you tracking food at all right now? Yeah, I'm tracking food. I track it um, six days out of the week. I try to have one day where I'm not tracking just so I'm not living off of the app. I think a lot of people in the bodybuilding space will utilize macro tracking as another sort of disorder where if they don't have their tracking app, they lose their mind. Um, and that's another problem that I see. So I think if you're at a point where you don't have a specific physique-based goal, you should be incorporating flexible practices in. Um, and you should be able to trust yourself to not log your food for a day. That's just my own personal opinion. No, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. Uh, I, I totally agree. That's actually a strategy I'll use frequently with people uh, when I see them almost becoming a little too obsessed. And, and I've I even see been it there. a lot in the industry, you know? Yeah. Yeah. What do you, are you tracking maintenance calories? Um, I, so right now my calories are probably at 2,400. Um, not a girl. And I've never been able to eat that much with my weight maintaining, which is really cool. But I, I mean, like in preps, like I've got as low as like 1100. Yeah. 2400 so. though. I love that you said that. I think females hear that number and that's like, that number is only designed for males, right? Oh yeah. And they, a lot of my female clients, I'm like, I want to get you up to at least 2000 calories before we diet you again. And then they'll pull the whole, like, well, I'm only five, three. I'm like, okay. That's all right. You're active. You got kids. You're moving around a lot. Like you can eat 2000 calories a day. <laughs> yeah. That's not just for males, right? Yes. Yeah, for sure. And I think a lot of people will set that limit too. And it's more so off of like media, you know, that's like, oh, like women should only eat 2000 calories a day, but then they forget like you are active. You do have muscle mass. Like that is going to change things. And um, because my goal is to compete again, I also want to optimize my time. So I don't want to just like 
be super lean and only eat like, I don't know, let's say 1800, 1900 calories, because I might not be able to make the improvements on my physique like I want to, and also be at a hormonally healthy place too. Do you, do you prep competitors? Uh, I have prepped competitors. I will say majority of my clients are lifestyle, but I've prepped competitors. Yeah. It's interesting. Lifestyle clients are, uh, that's who I work with now, but it's, it's interesting because they're, they're easier, but they're also harder because prep competitors are, I don't even have to usually worry about them hitting their macros if they're serious about mm -hmm. this, but it's just harder because it's so much more technical. And like at the end of the day, it's like my fault. I feel like, you know, if they don't get up on stage looking presentable. The other thing though, that's made it hard is like with Corona, like it's made me have to pivot with my coaching with my competitors. So I'm doing like a push pull approach where we're pushing and then pulling back and then pushing and pulling back to keep them healthy because we don't know how long it's going to be until like stage stages are going. So we, um, I mean, if they're pretty close to conditioning, it's so super important to maintain it, but keep it healthy too. So you mean push, push, go into a deficit, pull back, go to maintenance type of deal. Mm -hmm. diet, a lot of diet breaks. Like every two weeks or. Depending on how their feedback, you right, know, like correct. if their energy is low, their performance is bad. Um, sleep is kind of going away. Like that's another sign. And also if their weight's starting to bump up, you know, that's a sign that their inflammation can be higher. So I'll try to pull, pull back. And by that, I mean like increase, um, like a moderate diet break. Yeah. Do you pull down cardio with some clients when you do that as well? Yeah. 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 Uh, Cause the body gets so adapted to it. I mean, I've been that competitor that's been at the two hours a day and it didn't matter. It, would, it my body didn't change at all. I was so used to it. So the, especially the female body, it's so adaptive. Okay. And like when it comes to cardio, our bodies they're smart. They get used to it, especially that low intensity and moderate intensity. It's very easy to adapt. Right. I mean, I love that you said that. And I kind of want to go that direction real quick, because while I am a huge proponent of steps and, and walking and you talk about just overall health, longevity, being able to get that little bit of extra, I think that, you know, it's immensely underrated. And I think, but people also need to understand it's very, we're, we're designed to walk. Like mm -hmm. that's how our primal nature was. So it's, it's even more adaptive to this and it's like, okay, so you turn up the incline a little more, you walk some hills behind your house, but within a, like, you know, a short amount of time, your body's adapted. So when somebody's body adapts with cardio, do you ever do like switches to hit cardio or do you usually have to increase the time or pull back the time? Mm -hmm. Depends on the client. I mean, if they're dieting and they've been pretty low calorie and I can tell that their glycogen is probably naturally depleted like a competitor. I'm not a huge like advocate for hit when they've been dieting for a while um, Just, because their performance isn't going to be good. And it can be a, a bit catabolic because they are, you know, pushing themselves super hard and not able to replenish properly. Um, the other thing though, with that too, like competitors are so special because you also don't want them doing hours of cardio a day because that can be catabolic too. And you want to retain that muscle mass as much as possible. I would say like moderate intensity is probably my favorite way to go about cardio. I will give like step recommendations, but again, your body adapts so easily to that. But if I'm trying to like reset someone's cardio, I'll even like, tell them to cut back on their steps. Like don't get 12,000 steps a day. Like take it back. Let's go back to maybe eight or nine. Um, and then also scale back on cardio as well. Gotcha. Okay. And when, when Nicole said, if any of the, you know, new, new people to their fitness journey, catabolic is simply the opposite of anabolic, which would be losing muscle in that state. And so too mm -hmm. much kind of everyone raves about hit cardio, but uh, sure you get some more calorie burn, but there's definitely a stress response that can be very catabolic during dieting, meaning atrophy of muscle tissue. So the mindset too. I mean, I'll be honest. I hate doing hit. I hate it so much. It, people um, that say they like it are the same people that say like celery. I just don't believe them. I don't believe it. Like there's maybe once like one, one day out of the month where I'm like, Oh, maybe I'll do like kettlebell swings or um, rope slam. So that's, I mean, I, I just don't enjoy it. So again, if you're looking at what cardio is going to be best, like do the one that you enjoy. Yes. <laughs> that's the best. Yeah. I, I get, I guess that question on my sticker box when I put up the Q and A's and I'm like, whatever one you liked, but what, which one do you really enjoy? I mean, you can't define in even the questions I'm asking you the real, the, you know, 
real answer and you've said well it depends on the client and because that's the answer right? and they hate that answer it depends what <laughs> it's like well it does though on so many things it's not just one plus one equals two like that's not how and i think that's what makes good people like you in the space that are true practitioners that and will grazione and guys like that that you know take the time to study and like actually see and understand that there is multiple different ways that can work for multiple different clients it mm -hmm. is not a one size fits all and I know some mm -hmm. coaches where no matter what client they have, it's the same cardio. It's basically the same plan. And it's just oh my not God. how it I works. just had this one coach. I mean, I'm looking at like Facebook and he's just like, oh, sign up for my coaching and get my 12 week workout cardio and meal plan. And it was like, you know, maybe like a flat rate. And I'm like, that makes no sense. Like there's no phone call involved. There is no sort of anything. It was just like a one-stop shop. I'm like, I like, why does this still exist? Right. And that's the kind of shit that's horrible for the industry. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's what's tearing people like these these very restrictive templated plans that are not designed for any specific person they're just a very general you know count mm -hmm. or very low calorie i'm having a lot of people coming from a well-known fitness i can i don't know if i can say it but it's, it's beach body <laughs> uh, um, no you can say hey, i've i've uh I've, i've voiced my opinions on beach body on here okay um and you know beach body is it great that they're getting people to move Absolutely. Is it ideal for most? No. Um, and I also think that a lot of their plans are setting women up for failure and setting them up for, I need to eat really low calorie, eat really restrictive. But then what does that teach you? It teaches you that that's the only way you can lose weight when that's not true. Um, and if you're taking someone who's, I don't know, 35 years old and has dieted for the past five years of their life, good luck. Like it, it just frustrates me because they think it's going to be the easiest way but there's no easy way like you have to learn you have to apply yourself no i agree and you know i'm i've brought up beach body on here and i've basically said the same so, thing i said this i just don't like beach body at all <laughs> i'm getting so many clients reach out, reach out to me and asking questions about it so yeah with beach body i couldn't agree more and i've i've voiced my opinions on here about them um mm -hmm. I think that anything that promotes a healthier way of living, especially with some of their workouts and get, getting moms to move at home that might not go to a gym, I think it's great. I don't think it's a vindictive game, but I think anytime you're creating something for the masses that's an MLM, a multi-level marketing company, their coaches are not coaches, they're salespeople, and that mm -hmm. in and of itself is very deceiving. They have no credentials, nothing. They're called nothing. coaches. And like, they're the ones selling you your product. And then you get this kind of like low calorie meal. I mean, it's to the masses. You think anything is personalized in there. And so it, it, I think it definitely, especially when you look at the food portion, I'm like, just stick to the exercise. If you want people to do weird things, sliders and they're, I, I don't care, mountain crawl, like whatever mountain climbers in their living room. Cool. But like, just leave the nutrition stuff out of it because it's, it's hurting yeah. people more than it's helping them. Yeah, definitely. And a lot of people don't realize that they aren't, you know, real coaches of real credentials. Um, and that's an unfortunate thing. But again, if you're the consumer, do your research, okay? Are you hopping on the phone with your coach? Are you getting to know them? Um, do you see real results that aren't, you know, heavily advertised with another logo underneath it? You know, I don't know. No, hundred percent. I agree. And I think that, I think some people that get, you know, I, I know I was nervous to kind of express my feelings about that like you know what months maybe a year ago but mm -hmm. today i'm just like no listen i don't think it's inherently like an evil corporation but i think that they're making a ton of money off people's kind of preying on their weaknesses In and insecurities yeah and and you know and so and there's other you know well-known places that too that spit out some of these you know even like weight watchers i actually don't inherently have a problem with weight watchers because it doesn't villainize foods but it almost mm -hmm. doesn't villainize foods too much. Mm -hmm. Like you get this point system and you can kind of eat whatever you want within it. But I asked the client, well, how many calories do you think that was trying to figure out where to kind of start her? She had no clue. So I started no, I trying to research and I couldn't even figure out how many points correlated with a calorie. Mm -hmm. Because it doesn't like, <laughs> it's just made up. So yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's how, that's how many calories it is. The limit does not exist. Um, I think, Again, like anything is better than nothing, but I think those sort of programs, it, it's keeping the the person blind. Like it's not educating them. Uh, and you know, if my, like, for example, if I had a client of mine and let, 
they're working with me for two years. I want that client to be able to answer another question that someone else asked. They're like, how do I hit my protein targets? And I keep going over my fats. Like I want that client to be able to answer that question for them. Um, because I want to be able to educate them. I don't want them to ever feel like they have to always rely on me and ask for permission and this or that. That's what am I teaching you? Yeah, for sure. Am I frozen? No, no, you're good now. Okay. Okay. Or a hot second you are. Yeah. (laughs) I was just very intently. Actually was very intently listening, but, um, I agree. And I think it's something just so important. I think that's where like education goes so far. I want clients to start going, figuring out why, like coaches think it's their job to figure things out for them. Some, some do. Right. And it's just not Mm -hmm. like my job is application, accountability, and education. Like, yeah. And the other thing too, is like, so all of my clients, like we provide so much value, you know, we have, we both have podcasts. We both have a lot of great, you know, pieces of content. And sometimes if they're asking a question that I've already answered like 20 times, I'll reference them to a piece of content. And it's not me being rude, but again, like do your research. If there's an IGTV on something I've covered, you know, 10 minutes long in duration, watch it. You can learn because I think a lot of people, they don't want to, they don't want to do some of the work and there's the resources out there. Um, I've covered so many topics too, like going out to eat, like what do I do when I'm going out to eat? People tend to shut down. It's like, don't shut down, watch this. And then let's talk about it. Okay. If you're still struggling, then let's talk about it, but you still need to do some work. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. It's funny. A lot of the questions I get on my sticker box are ones I'm like, I literally just post about that three days. You wouldn't even have to search far. You just pull up my page and it's right there. And it's so much more in depth than I'm going to be able to give you on one story answer. So I'll mm-hmm. just reference them to that. Yeah. I'll have people who are like, I feel like I'm eating too little. I'm like this podcast, this video, this graphic. I'm like, just, and I'll send it to them through DM and you know, cross my fingers. I hope you read it. But if you don't, that's on you. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, you, you made a post about, uh, kind of the difference between identifying, you know, like boredom hunger and like real hunger. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really important because this doesn't just ha- I mean, this just doesn't happen with emotional eaters. I think that I I've noticed even in quarantine, like some of my, you know, 35 year old male clients are just like, dude, I'm just snacking more. Cause I'm bored. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it's habitual eating. Um, it's always like the person who comes home from work and they're like, oh, I just get home from work and it's stressful. And, you know, I eat like half a bag of chips and it's like, okay, but now you've created a habit. Um, same mm-hmm. goes with like being stuck at home. Like I think a lot of people are addressing things that they've ignored with their relationship with food and they're realizing, oh, I use food as a distraction. Like I use food when I'm bored. I use food when I'm angry. I, I use it a lot. And, you know, talking about addictions, like food is the most acceptable addiction out there, but it's highly addictive. Um, if you're utilizing it, utilizing it for the wrong reason. So I think what made me want to make that post is I know being stuck at home, I could easily, and I'm looking at my pantry right now, I could easily go in there and just eat whatever I want, but am I really hungry right now? Like we all just need to stop and think, am I really hungry right now? When was my last meal? Um, where's my energy at, or am I just wanting to be compulsive and eat? And it's hard for people to call themselves out on their own crap like that, but you have to, if you want to build that awareness. Yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, how do you help clients start doing that? Like any kind of like tactics you do or. Mm -hmm. Um, I always recommend setting meal times. And then there's a phrase and that this is coming from someone, you know, who struggled with like bulimia where I would have, you know, burst of like wanting to binge. And I would set this rule of the kitchen's open or the kitchen's closed. You know, the kitchen's open at nine, 12, let's say three, six and eight. After that, the kitchen's closed. And in between that, the kitchen's also closed. So if you're stuck at home, it doesn't mean that you should just be frolicking in the kitchen all the time, eating whatever you want. I work in my kitchen too. So like, again, Pantry's there, fridge is there. Does it mean I'm eating constantly? No, because I set times when I'm eating. The other times I'm being productive. I'm lucky because I work from home, but you can be productive in other ways too. Well, and you know what? I think that's that's right for people who do the majority of their business online. It's like this quarantine hasn't been any different, right? It's like you're still mm-hmm. at home and it's like you've managed to stay in shape and like 
working at home. Mm -hmm. I think that I think people are really quick to kind of grab excuses, but, um, yeah. Or like, you know, if they're working from home, it's I'm stuck at home, but if they go to work, it's my coworker brought in donuts. Like again, take ownership. It's, it's not them. It's not the scenario. It's you. Oh, a hundred percent. I would agree with that. Have you been able to lift during this? Um, I've been able to lift at with a few friends because they have a set of barbells. Um, so I'll try to do legs, but at home I'll do shoulders and back. You got some dumbbells and stuff. Dumbbells and bands. And that's about it. I just find a door hook and I do a lot of like lap pull down work. Um, a lot of just lateral raises and just higher volume, higher reps. Um, but for those like lower body days, even when I didn't have the barbells, I was just like doing unilateral movements, pause reps, um, more, um, time under tension, focusing so on the muscle mind more, connection. So you don't need a barbell, more tempo stuff, mm-hmm. which I think is really important to hit. If, if, uh, you know, you're not able to go to a gym. So when this episode's there, it's like, and you only got bands or lightweights, utilize tempo, like put some time under tension, go slow down or pause at the bottom, you know, throw yeah. these kind of different things is really important. And I've worked out outside, which is challenging. Um, I was just doing like walking lunges and some band work. And I think, I, I mean, soreness isn't always the goal, but my body was very <laughs> taxed after that workout for days after. Yeah, no. <laughs> well, and it's humid there too, right? Yeah, it's hot. <laughs> I've like gotten accustomed to it being like 80 and 90. Um, but, you know, naturally just having that sun on you, your heart is going to work harder. Um, so it's really important to stay hydrated too. Yeah, 100% during this time. Um, what's kind of, when you, when you start working with people, do you, do you, do you specifically help females like, like with, like, do you deal with a lot of females who lose their period? You had a really good post about how, mm-hmm. like, why, why does a female lose her period when she diets? Yeah. So I, ha- a lot of my clients will say I give them back their periods and I've even had clients who <laughs> are nurses that. and they're like, you've taught me more about my period than I have in all of my years. And I'm like, that blows my mind. I just feel like female health doesn't get talked about and or gets covered up with hormonal birth control. Um, It's almost like you have a problem and they slap a birth control pill on it or some sort of hormonal contraceptive. And um, people get a little bit touchy when I say birth control is a steroid, but just like men would supplement in with testosterone, women will supplement in with estrogen to, you know, prevent pregnancy and or can help other reproductive issues like PCOS. Um, but I think a lot of women are on the pill to cover up other things. And, you know, I got a lot of my education on this through Dr. Brighton, who wrote beyond the pill. Um, great, great book there, but Mm -hmm. I think a lot of women just turn to it for, you know, hormonal acne. Um, you know, there, I even had a girlfriend who's never had a period ever and her doctor put her on the pill. She's been out for 10 years now. And she's about to get married and she doesn't even know if she can have kids. This blows my mind. So, you know, coming from someone. Is getting off the pill very similar to like, I mean, I've had to get off testosterone before. I'm on exogenous testosterone through a doctor and it was awful. It's horrible. Um, I've worked with women coming off the pill and I never tell my clients to do this. It's totally up to them. I say, have a conversation with your doctor. If you feel like you no longer align with doing that, that's completely fine. If you're on the pill, go, go for it. Like I, I don't have an opinion. It's neutral. Do what's best for you. But I've had clients come off of the pill and they experience bloating, digestive issues, acne, um, weird libido where it's high and then low. Um, low motivation. It's almost like PMS emphasized, um, after the pill, but the longer you've been on the pill, you've not allowed for your body to run its own hormones for that period of time. So if you've been not for 10 years, uh, one of my phrases is you have to pay to play. You've been, you're paying what you played for. So you played for 10 years. You're, you're going to have to pay that back while your body regulates back out. Yeah. And I mean, is it, have you seen usually a few months, three months, a few weeks? Um, it depends on the person. Uh, again, our favorite, it depends, but I would say usually around six months, things tend to regulate back out. 
And do you um, know, do you notice that, do you notice a way uh, like gain like sometimes people gain weight initially after? I I notice a drop in weight. Okay. So drop in inflammation. I know for myself when I came off of birth control, it's because I had um, increased anxiety and depression. I actually had suicidal thoughts on birth control, which is not me at all. So I didn't recognize myself. It felt like I would be like good. And then some days I felt like there was a cloud over my head and it didn't start happening until I started taking the pill. And I was like, I'm getting off of this because it's not me and I don't like this. And I was fine. Um, I was put on birth control for acne. <laughs> My acne was gone, got off of it. It stayed off. So I, um, I got off of the pill and, you know, I've lost my period a handful of times through competing, which when a woman, a woman loses her period, it's due to stress. So how do we face stress? You know, it's not just, you know, financial stress or, um, you know, relationship stress, but it's stress from dieting. It's stress from over-exercising. It's stress from too little of sleep. And what is dispensable on your body that's not going to affect your overall health in the worst way possible? Your reproductive system. Is it essential? Not really. Is it there? Yeah, of course. But your body's going to prioritize things like your brain, your heart, your lungs, um, your blood, like all of that is going to take priority over can this person reproduce. But the other thing too is if your body's sensing stress, high amounts of stress, do you think your body wants to reproduce then? No. Does it think that you are going to be a safe carrier for a child? No. And if you're sub, I don't know, 15% body fat, do you even have enough body fat on you to keep that baby safe and or to produce, you know, milk for that baby? No. So that's why you lose your period. Um, and I've seen women, you know, they are at healthy body fat levels and they lose it. And again, it can be stress. It can be life stress that happens. I know a lot of women in college who they just, that's finals week and they lose their period. Normal, but it's not normal when it's lasting for months on end. That's when you do have amenorrhea. And what is bad about amenorrhea is it can turn into osteopenia, which is a precursor to osteoporosis. Once once you have that, it's irreversible. You basically have the bones of an 80-year-old as a 20-year-old or 30-year-old. Wow. Yeah, th- that's interesting. I actually didn't quite know all that, um, that last part. So um, you explained that very eloquently. It's almost like whoever the czar of the universe is, is like, so you're not going to have a kid. Like, we're done. You're done for right now. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, you've pushed your body too far or it's too low in body fat. And usually if you're too low in body fat, you've also pushed your body too far, right? So did your, exactly. pe- did your period come back rather quick after shows? Long as it took was eight months. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, there's usually a certain weight for me. Um, once I get to below 120, like 127, I lose it. So you know, that's probably my body's natural set point is higher than, you know, 127 pounds. So that's where I'm healthy and I'm optimal. Another thing too, is with losing your period, like you're not going to be able to perform properly in the gym. Like your performance is going to tank with having a loss of period. And if your goal is to put on muscle tissue, it's harder when your hormones are in balance. So, you know, having a period has a lot of benefits other than obviously being able to reproduce, Um, you're also won't be able to absorb calcium properly because of low estrogen. So that's another issue with, you know, the bone health. Um, and if you're a performance athlete, you know, you wonder why so many stress fracture fractures happen with, you know, gymnasts period and they're overtraining. Gotcha. Very insightful. That was, that was good. Um, yeah, you're, uh, I'm really impressed by 24, you know, way more than I did at 24. That's for sure. <laughs> well, I've spent a lot of my time just, I, I feel like in my college years, I never had a college experience because I've always worked a lot. Like I've always worked two jobs, but I didn't ever have this want to go out. So I would just learn more about fitness because that's the one thing I did enjoy. Gotcha. Well, um, awesome. Awesome information. Great. Uh, Great conversation. I really enjoyed it. A couple questions before I let you go. Um, since this is the Key Nutrition Podcast, what's been key to your success? And you could frame success however you want in your physique and your career as a woman. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I think the key to my success has been, you don't have to make everyone else happy, but as long as you're happy, that's all that matters. And that goes for like a lot of things in my life, not only just the career path that I've chose, but also just choosing to live a fit and healthy lifestyle. I think a lot of people will have judgment on that. And, you know, if it makes you happy and if you're not causing any harm to your body, enjoy it. Awesome. Um, well, where are you hanging out the most? Where can people apply to work with you, your podcast, um, Instagram, if you can shout all that out, we'll list everything in the show notes for you guys as well. For sure. So you guys can find me at Nicole Ferrier Fitness on Instagram. Um, my podcast is Beyond the Bikini Radio. Um, you can also, you know, contact me at my website, www.nicoleferrierfitness.com. And I know that TikTok is coming out. I've been on TikTok. TikTok for a little bit. And I do post some more fitness-based content there. And it's just Nicole Farrier and Hope. I don't know why I named it that. It is what it is. <laughs> I love it. Awesome. Well, we'll list everything for you guys. Thank you so much for coming on and your time. And sorry about the little audio thing in the middle. So I appreciate you. Yeah, no worries. So. Okay. Awesome. Chat with you guys next week. Bye-bye. Hey, guys brad here just wanted to thank you so much for listening we couldn't be any more grateful that you took the time out of your day to listen to us we hope we provided value if we did it would mean the world to us if you would subscribe and share this with your friends Okay, guys, so if you are enjoying Beyond the Bikini Radio, I would really love if you could share my podcast up on your Instagram, Facebook, whatever it is. Beyond the Bikini Radio has been up for almost a year, and you guys know that I share a variety of content. Not only do I talk about mental health, physical health, competing, but other areas too with women's health, interviewing guests, interviewing bikini competitors. If you're wanting me to continue doing Beyond the Bikini Radio, I would just love to see some love back and you sharing the podcast. It makes me so happy seeing you guys enjoy it and it gives me a better idea of what type of content you guys are enjoying and what episodes you want me to cover in the future or what topics resonated with you. So again, thank you for being a Beyond the Bikini radio listener and keep on listening.